Eric Bowling in for Greg tonight. Memorial Day, just a few hours down the road. We remember our fallen military, the heroes who protect our liberty and our freedoms. We remember the patriots who protect America as America. I also remember when the flag was respected, when the national anthem was patriotic, when our military were heroes. I even remember when our cops were respected, not vilified, every time they arrest a bad guy. I also remember when gas was a buck 77 a gallon, now it's $3 a gallon, a seven-year high, when corn prices weren't double what they are today, when plywood prices weren't quadrupled what they are today, when the average price of a home wasn't exploding and putting home ownership out of the reach of your average middle-class family. I remember when unemployment insurance was just that, insurance, in case you lost your job. Not a slush fund that entices workers to not work and instead just sit home and play video games and wait for the next socialist handout, disguised in the nicer name COVID relief. When $6 trillion was a lot of real money, real money, not just some number the Democrats spend to buy the hearts and votes of unsuspecting people, young and old. Unsuspecting because they don't see what's really happening. Socialism is creeping into America. A country built on the free market and capitalism fastly becoming socialist. I remember when social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram were used for posting fun stuff, not political tug of wars where the liberal overlords are willing to use those platforms to pick and choose who gets to play on their sites and who gets banned. Oddly, a president of the United States getting banned while the Ayatollah Khomeini and other dictators and terrorists are running free on their sites. Here's something Ayatollah tweeted this week. Look at this. He, By God's power, you will be victorious and purify the Holy Land from the contamination of usurpers, God willing, and he's pointing, pointing and talking about Israel. And he's still on Twitter. I remember when Prince Harry was in England complaining about England. Someone tell me why we give a darn why this whiny rich royal prince, what he says about our First Amendment. Again, we broke away from England for a reason. Please take your miserable little ginger grandson back, Madam Queen. I remember when Israel was our greatest Mideast ally, when Hamas was considered a terror organization. That's when we had it right. Protect Israel, condemn Hamas. Somehow that got switched in our liberal media, and guess what happened? Our liberal elected officials naturally followed along approvingly. I remember when rioting and looting was illegal, when being black was okay, but it was okay to be Latino, Asian. It was even okay to be white and every other color, creed, or gender. Sorry to break it, this news to the pronoun and race warriors. America was always inclusive. I remember when our children were allowed to go to school and not be force-fed a biased theory on race. I remember when sports were about athleticism, not a political statement. I remember when tough guy actors were tough guys, not whimpering, pathetic Chinese communist butt-kissers. I remember when music was about the beats, not the politics, and not used as a platform to hate on cops. I remember when flying political flags on our embassies was frowned upon. BLM flags are being flown on U.S. embassies around the world. I wonder 
what they'd say if a Republican president flew an NRA flag on our embassies. But I hope we find out in 2024. Speaking of the Second Amendment, the AR-15, the rifle AR-15, is constitutionally protected. But now it seems the new ATF chief's first target is going to be banning the AR-15 when and if he gets confirmed. I also remember when we would fight back when we found out China leaked a deadly virus or when the Chinese stole international land in the South China Sea in order to build military bases with threatening aims pointed directly directly at the United States. I remember when we would bounce a guy like this who lied to us about masks, about vaccines, about immunity, about origins of leaks, about just about everything, gain-of-function viruses, and basically being wrong about everything COVID. Watch this. He was closer to home plate there than it was about anything related to COVID. I remember when we held back money from a very hostile Iranian government, you know, the religious zealots who chant death to America. Why would we hand over hundreds of millions of dollars to these people? Well, I remember when we would get a straight answer from the president's press secretary. I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back with you. I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. I will have to circle back on that one. That's an excellent question. Oh, such an important question. Uh, we will circle back with you and we'll, we'll circle back with you. It's an interesting question, but uh, we'll, we'll circle back. I'm happy to circle back, but I'll have to circle back with you on it. It's a good question, but we'll circle back with you on this today. We will certainly circle back with you more directly. I remember when we weren't being blatantly lied to by that same president's press secretary. This past weekend, there were more than a dozen mass shootings across this country. Uh, 4,000 more people shot and killed by guns in 2020 compared to the year before. Is there a crime problem in this country? Well, I would say certainly there is a guns problem, uh, and that's something the president would say. I remember when the mayor of the second largest city in the United States wasn't a biased jerk who represents everything bad about our political environment. If I, as the black woman mayor, the first ever, don't challenge us, the collective us, to do better, um, to really make sure that in every institution it reflects the diversity and nuance and texture of our city, then shame on me. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot went on to say she would only give black and brown journalists an interview. I remember when the governor of Michigan wasn't such a hypocrite. Take a look at that picture. She's partying with some friends. Or the governor of California. There he is, Newsom, at the French Laundry. Remember that? Or the governor of New York. Take a listen. This is what I want you to know, and I want you to know this from me directly. I never touched anyone inappropriately. I never touched anyone inappropriately. Speaking of the governor of New York, take a look at this. Remember this one also. He buried that headline as well. I remember when a cable news journalist exposed as a political hack, providing political cover for his political hack brother would be fired on the spot, not defended by their political hack television network. Yeah, I remember all those things. Those things happen. You know why I remember those things? Because it was only four months ago, folks. Can you believe it's only been four months? 
months. But the question is, America sure has changed in a short period of time. The question remains, are we going to let it continue down this path of destruction, or are we conservatives going to step up and stand up to the progressives, the liberals, and the socialists ruining and ruining and running our country right now? You know where I stand on that one, don't you? You should, but if you don't, stick around because it will be very clear very soon. All right, let's bring in uh, former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, friend of mine as well. Mark, thank you for joining. Can I call you Chief? Can I, I, I'm going to call you Chief because I... Because You can call me Mark or anything that you want to call me, Eric. It's great to be with you. And thank you for reminding us of what it was like just four months ago. Four months ago. I, I, I started yeah. to write that monologue, Mark, last night. I'm like, and I just had more and more things. And it, it, it just struck me four months ago. How, how, Mark, how has the country changed so rapidly in four months? How do we let this happen? Well, I, I tell you, we're missing President Donald Trump because a lot of those things, when you talk about respecting the flag, when you talk about uh, respect for our law enforcement, our first responders, our military, there was no one that was more vigilant about doing that than President Donald Trump. And as Americans, we need to not only rise up and say we've had enough of this progressive left-wing uh, propaganda, but that we're not going to be a socialist country, and it's time that we fight back. You know, we're going into the big holiday weekend, the big driving weekend, kicks off the summer. And I noted that, in fact, the Drudge headline today had the highest price for gasoline in seven years. This affects every single American. It's not just a, a talking point on the right saying, well, Biden doesn't like pipelines and he doesn't like to drill. This is real. They flooded the market with free dollars. And not, not only that, they pulled back on the, the essential things that we need. We need cheap fuel. It's with the lifeblood of our economy. It, it, seven year high so far, we're four months in. Well, it, it affects everybody. And when we look at it, you, you and I may be old enough to remember uh, gas lines under Jimmy Carter. And the scary thing about this is what we see is, is uh, Joe Biden actually making decisions that enable uh, the Russians with uh, Nord Stream 2 uh, in their pipeline, taking away sanctions and yet killing the Keystone pipeline. But it doesn't just stop there. It is very difficult to find workers because we're paying them, as you mentioned, more money to stay home. Uh, and and it's, it's not the government's money, it's the American taxpayer's mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking that out of working people's pockets and putting it in, in the pockets of people that could work and oftentimes choose not to. You know, uh, Mark, the, the, this plywood situation, I come from a, a commodities background. I, I, I traded in commodities for, for most of my life. I have businesses, housing. We are pricing the middle class out of home ownership by doing this. It, it, it's one of those fallouts that not many people are really talking about, but the price of plywood has quadrupled in four months, quadrupled under Biden because of what they did. They, as you point out, they flooded the market with, with cash and prices of everything go up. There's a lot more dollars chasing after the same amount of goods. You can't ramp up production, so it's the same amount of goods. So prices naturally go up. It's supply and demand. It's econ 101. But what happens is plywood represents something like 20 to 25% of the cost of a home. So home prices are skyrocketing. The middle class, when they thought things are better, they may have a few bucks in their pocket now. It's not true. They're not, they're not able to live a better life. 
No, you're exactly right. What we've seen with this latest stimulus, it was so incredibly unneeded at that particular time, and yet it was all designed by the Biden administration to get their special interest needs met. And what we're seeing is not only plywood, but a two by six, you know, uh, where you would actually create a, a stud is actually $20. I mean, you can't build houses for that. And so what the, the federal government is doing, what Joe Biden is doing is giving a check with one hand and taking it back with another because of those high commodity prices, pricing them out of the home market. Uh, it's a day of reckoning that's going to come. You're exactly right, Eric. You, you, the, the reality is there are restaurants around the country. Um, they're, they're not able to open because they can't afford, they can't get employees because people yeah, are saying, got, you know what? They've it's got cheap. signs. It's, You're exactly right. They got signs saying we are closed because we can't find workers. We're willing to pay them. And we're not talking about minimum wage. They're willing to pay well above that and they still can't find workers. Because it's easier to sit home and play video games and collect your, your stimulus check. Mark, the stock market, the, all these markets, they, they're on their all-time highs, yet they're even floating the idea of another stimulus check. At what point is this, is, does it stop or are we just throwing the towel in? We are, we are now a socialist country. Well, we, you know, listen, uh, President Trump said we'll never be a socialist country. It's real hard to argue with that when you're passing out checks. I can tell you it's, it's time where we not only have to stop it, but I think with the inflation, with the fact that, uh, that food is going up, gas is going up, homes are going up, uh, the price of, of, of clothing is all going up, that all of a sudden people are starting to say, yeah, I may have gotten this stimulus check, but it's not going quite as far as, as it did. We have to make sure that we push back on that. I'm hopeful that there's some common sense that happens yeah. here in Washington, D.C., but it... Uh, you know, I can tell you, it's not coming out of 1600 no. Pennsylvania Avenue. No, no, it's, it happens so fast. Mark, please stick around. We're going to come right back with a very explosive new report on Hunter and Joe Biden. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. He never had anything to do with Hunter's business dealings overseas. Remember when, theme, Joe Biden said that back in, way back in 2019? President Trump was hammered by the mainstream media for pushing what they called a false narrative and a conspiracy theory. Turns out it's tough to permanently erase emails, and Hunter wrote so many of them, he may have actually confirmed the story himself. A new report in the New York Post says new emails from what's believed to be his laptop showing up. Hunter set up a dinner for Joe Biden, the VP at the time, to meet his business partners back in 2015 while his father was vice president. President Mark Meadows is back with us, former chief of staff uh, with President Trump, obviously. But, but Mark, you were there for a lot of that, that hate that President Trump got for suggesting exactly what we apparently now know, according to the New York Post. Well, the last time there was a headline about Hunter Biden in the New York Post, we know what happened. It got blacked out by Twitter and everybody else, uh, only to find out later that 
it wasn't fake news. It was actually the, the real deal. Here's what we, we do know. Two, two things. This report, if it's accurate, what happens is, is that it is the very worst of what America sees as it relates to uh, the crony capitalist uh, kind of uh, special insider deals that we see. Joe Biden getting a job for Hunter Biden and then helping him out, if that has happened, it's the kind of thing that America hates because it's only the well-connected that can make money at levels that Hunter Biden was supposedly paid uh, you and I couldn't make that if, if uh, and, and actually Hunter couldn't do it unless his dad was vice president and now president of the United States. You know, he, uh, Joe Biden, candidate Joe Biden, insisted on the campaign trail time and time again. He had nothing, nothing to do with some of the business dealings that Hunter Biden was was getting himself involved with. If we have that full screen of, of that email, let's pull it up, control him, because I want people to understand this is from Hunter Biden himself. Okay, the reason for the dinner is ostensibly to discuss food security. Dad will be there, but keep that between us for now. Thanks, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on. But he, so he, he basically tells people that his dad is going to be at this meeting. Now, there's another email. That, I don't know if we have that one, but, but it, it, it turns out there are 12 people that are invited to this dinner. There's a dinner, a meeting, a uh, meeting. A Burisma executive, Mark, we can weigh in on that in a second. Oh, there it is. Okay, so there it is. Everything's between us all good. What is the UN food program? I know you mentioned your dad would probably join the dinners with us. Anyone else have no uh, a praying for Bo, et cetera, et cetera. But up top it says there are 10 to 12 people for dinner, most notably, get this, prime minister of a country, I'll tell you over the phone, also CEO of uh, WFP, uh, et cetera. But we now know. A Burisma executive was there, according to the New York Post, a Russian billionaire, according to the New York Post, and a, a former Moscow mayor and the prime minister of a country that I'll tell you over the phone. I mean, can this be any more nefarious? Well, it can't. This is a pay-to-play kind of scheme. And when you look at these emails, it's very damning when we start to see these emails coming out. And, and what it's actually doing is setting up uh, introductions to the highest level of government. And when Hunter Biden does that, uh, if, if these reports are true, what we start to see is, is not only the money that went to him from a foreign government, uh, it becomes very problematic, uh, not only federal laws, but certainly improprieties that uh, allegedly have happened over and over again. I think there's a whole lot more that are, is going to come out as it relates to Hunter Biden and what he did and what he has been accused of. And let's take this to, to President Biden now. His relationship, I mean, we're, we're talking about some of these dealings being with some, some countries that we may have a little bit strained relationships. I mean, U Ukraine, Kazakhstan, China. China. Let's talk about China for a minute. It, are there ties to China that we should be concerned about? Is, is, is President Biden treating China in a certain way because he may be at risk with exposure of something that went on with Hunter, his son? Well, Joe Biden has been soft on China. The only thing harsh about uh, his China rhetoric uh, came during the campaign when he thought it was politically expedient for him to be tough on China. We see his policy in this first four months uh, is not about holding China accountable. He's not holding him accountable with the Wuhan lab. Uh, perhaps it's relationships that were fostered uh, long ago with, with a son that perhaps uh, was being paid uh, in an inappropriate manner, uh, according to most uh, Americans. All right, Mark, before we let you go, uh, you're, you're chief of staff of the President Trump, good friend of him as well. Have you 
you've spoken to him recently, and how's he doing? He's doing real well. I, I speak to him almost every day, uh, and, and he's doing real well. He loves the country. He's willing to, and ready to stay engaged. Uh, I hope uh, that he runs again. I think most of America believes that. Uh, he's all in to make sure that America first continues to be the policy of the land. Chief Meadows, thank you for your time. Thank you, Eric. Good to be with you. A year of defund the police, and now we're hearing death threats against cops on the streets of a major American city. We'll be right back. It's been a year, one year since George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis, which sparked nationwide protests by Antifa and the Black Lives Matter organization. A year of burning, looting, and rioting at the hands of those two groups. Tuesday night, so-called peaceful protesters in Portland tried to burn down the same federal courthouse they torched a year ago, a celebration, if you will, supposedly in the name of honoring George Floyd. So what has a year of this defund the police movement gotten us? Check this out from the streets of Kansas City, Missouri. Listen. Try to get shot here because you're going to get pulled up with some air pressure. I got a bunch of air pressure. I'm waiting for one of those because baby where I'm from we don't give two about the police Chicago don't get let them kill one of ours that's what we doing we kill one of theirs in Chicago baby we, we gonna knock on your door uh, uh, we gonna blow your head off no hyperbole, no innuendo, no holding back. That's a BLM protester openly threatening to kill police officers. Congressman Byron Donalds is a Florida Republican. James Craig is the chief of police in Detroit. Thank you both for joining us. Chief, when you hear Thank something you. like that, what, how does it make you feel? You know, it's tragic. Um, you know, I've oftentimes said we can't paint an entire profession or an organization as being criminal. What I heard based on that bit, that's criminal. The movement is one thing, but those individuals who are talking about killing police officers, and this is not the first time, it's the individuals. They need to be held accountable. Bottom line, this demonizing the police will never work, will never work in creating safe communities. That's the beauty of having been in Detroit for the last eight years as chief of police. We have great relationships. Our community supports the police. Those who live Chief, in Chief, Chief does, does your mayor support the police? A lot of problems that are happening, mayors aren't supporting the police departments. Does Mayor I, Doug, Dugan, Duggan support you? Mayor Duggan has supported me last year when I made bold statements of supporting our police officers, bold statements that we will not retreat, and we didn't retreat. Guess what? Detroit didn't burn. It did not mm -hmm. burn. Mm -hmm. There was no looting. Mm -hmm. Now, had the mayor gone another direction, like what we saw in Portland, uh, Seattle, that would have been a concern for me. The reason why these cops go out and put their lives on every night because they know that this police chief yep. is supporting them, and yeah. that's important. Let me bring in uh, Representative Donalds. Your thoughts on this past year of defund the police, and frankly, there are there are spikes in violent crimes across our major cities. Uh, the last year has been a disaster for a lot of uh, inner cities across America. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I was there when there weren't officers on the street. And then when Rudy Giuliani came in and put officers on the street, the difference was stark. 
And it's really sad to see. I mean, look, Chief Craig is absolutely correct. If you allow this kind of rhetoric and this kind of behavior to go unchecked, you're going to have members of, of law enforcement be targeted. And it's, it's a sad tragedy in our country because the vast majority of law enforcement officers serve our communities with honor and integrity and dignity, and they have great relationships in our community. And I'll add this. As a young black kid growing up, if something went down, I called 911. I didn't call politicians. So I think it's important that we honor these men and women who serve in our communities every day. Yeah, yeah, I'll stay with you for a second, Byron. Your thoughts on, on this, this move to take police officers out of some confrontational situations and bring in social workers. Chief, I want to get your response on this, too. But, Byron, your thoughts quickly? Uh, no, that's stupid. It's just not going to work. Because well, when something is happening at that point in time, you need law enforcement at a minimum to maintain peace. Yeah. You need law enforcement at a minimum to get a full account of what's actually happening. You don't know what's going on when, when they show up. Yeah. You can't send some social worker into that situation without making sure it's secure. You actually put the victims at risk. You put the community at risk. I'm quite sure the chief would agree with what I'm saying. Chief, let me be, yeah. before you answer that, yeah. I have, the question here I have uh, across the country, Law enforcement officers are being are, are being you know threatened. They're being uh, spit at, thrown at. When the when they're fearful of their own lives or, or fearful of how they're going to be treated if they make a difficult arrest, what does that put? Does that put their life in danger? Absolutely, and I agree with Byron. He said it best. You know, let, let's 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 just for a moment take a step back. When we have people who sit in seats, and I didn't say seats of leadership, seats of influence, and make reckless statements like defund, dismantle, unqualified immunity, then who are you going to call? Look, this strategy, I'm not surprised by it. Mm. We need to step back and understand it. We have, look, I talk to uh, people in our community who live in vulnerable communities, mostly minorities. They want the police. As Byron said, he, he, he grew up in New York. Who are you going to call? You're going to call the police. And most of these men and women do it right. And when we get one that does it wrong, long as the community knows that we're transparent, we're going to hold them accountable, Yeah. guess what? Yeah. Look, we're not perfect, but when you start talking about reform, Let's not broad brush it. Yeah, it's just you know, like, I'm not, that, you know, that we, is we can't that is the big that is the big issue on the table right now for the Biden administration and frankly many states and municipalities around the country. Do you reform, you know, rules of engagement, et cetera, or or do you do you step up and put some more more boots on the ground to make sure that the crime starts to come down. Before I go, I got to play the sound way because this is, let me get this right, Antonio Brown, not the football player, but this is a councilman from Atlanta who wants to run for mayor, who is all about defunding the police. Take a listen to see what happened. I think the whole system needs to be completely dismantled okay. from top to bottom. And if that means officers need to go, then officers need to go. And we need to bring in a new type of police that's going to be a reflection of the needs of the community. Well, you know yeah. what he's saying? You well, know what he's saying here? Go, go ahead. I got to tell you. criminals. I got to tell you what Stop. happened. That guy got Let's carjacked. The he got carjacked. That's it. I guy. know he got carjacked. <laughs> he's a victim. Yeah, he's a victim. And he's caught up in this morass of, of, of garbage. Look, let me tell you something. People want constitutional policing. Mm -hmm. This stuff that they're peddling is madness. You know who Rashida Tlaib is. She came out talking about dismantling the police. 
I took her on. She does not speak for Detroiters. She yeah. does not. Yeah. Well, and the squad. Says, well, the squad. She's one of the squad. <laughs> they, they, the, the squad doesn't love the the, the the cops. But we're gonna have to leave it there, Chief. Thank you so much, Representative. Thank you, thank you as well. Appreciate you guys both. All right. Have a great one. You too. All right. After a year of silencing anyone who dared to question the origins of COVID-19, a major flip-flop from Facebook. The governor of Texas joins us next. There's a lot of cloudiness around the origins of COVID-19 still. Um, so I wanted to ask, are you still confident that it developed naturally? I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened. Certainly, the people who've investigated say that it likely was the emergence from an animal reservoir that then infected individuals, but it could have been something else. And we need to find that out. So, you know, that's the reason why I said I'm perfectly in favor of any investigation that looks into the origin of the virus. Now he's not convinced. He doesn't know. After a year and a half of Dr. Fauci telling us there's no chance COVID came from a lab, all of a sudden, well, maybe it did. Can you guess who else is changing their tune? Facebook. In light of ongoing investigations into the origin of COVID-19 and in consultation with public health experts, get this, we will no longer remove the claim that COVID-19 is man-made or manufactured from our apps. Are you kidding me? After censoring President Trump on a daily basis since the beginning of the pandemic and everyone else who suggested it, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been a fierce warrior in the battle against big tech, and he joins me now. Governor, thank you so much for joining us. Big, big news over the last couple of days. We now know that there are, uh, there are groups that believe that this virus may have leaked from a lab. But let's focus in on what big tech did to Trump and other conservatives like you or myself in, when, for the mere suggestion that it may have leaked from a Chinese lab. Listen, uh, Eric, it's great to be with you, but listen, this exposes big tech for exactly what they are. They are a cover-up machine for the mainstream media in the United States of America. And because they shut down this information, uh, as well as mainstream media shutting down this information, it slowed the ability for the truth to surface. And that had deadly and disastrous consequences for our fellow Americans if the public had been able to follow President Trump's lead from the very beginning. We could have immediately and more swiftly and more effectively shut down travel from China to the United States. They could have saved countless lives. It could have slowed dramatically uh, the expansion of COVID in the United States, but only because even some scientists, as you were pointing out, in the federal government and the mainstream media, and then uh, with uh, media outlets like Facebook and others, uh, putting this blackout on it that slowed the learning process, it slowed the surfacing of the truth. It's important that we now have the truth, but listen, it's, it's too late in the game for us to be able to do anything about it. With one exception, Eric, the world needs to crack down on China for mm. what they did in causing this disaster across the entire globe. Yeah. Sir, uh, in fact, China admitted in May of 2020 that they they've acknowledged that they authorized the labs to destroy early COVID-19 samples. Now think about that for a second. In May of 2020, a year ago, they, more than a year ago, they, they allowed these labs that were testing COVID and accelerating and, and, and making COVID more deadly, they allowed them to destroy those samples. Does, I mean, how, how, 
horrible of a thought that is that we could have actually found what was causing this COVID a lot sooner and not lost 600,000 Americans and millions of, of, of people around the world. Right. Well, first, you're absolutely right about that. So they destroyed evidence that could have been helpful to learning what the truth was. But, Eric, there's another issue here that the public needs to start thinking about. Uh, and, and that is, uh, this could be biological warfare that China was working on. Who knows mm -hmm. exactly what they're doing? But they have been exposed now of having the capability of coming up with something like this uh, that can be so devastating to a country like the United States or the other countries across the globe. The world needs to get to the bottom of what the biological uh, studies are that are going on in China that could expose the world to other diseases uh, like this. So here's what happens, and, and you know this works in, in D.C. and in government. The mainstream media, as you point out, they, they throw up a, a smoke screen. Lawmakers say if you disagree with the mainstream media, you're a racist or you're, you have something going on, and then social media backs the whole situation. Take a listen to this soundbite of mainstream media basically saying, if you even brought this up, you're ridiculous, you're racist, and you're awful. Watch. President Trump continues to blame China for the spread of the coronavirus. And as tensions rise, researchers from the lab where many on the right have claimed the virus originated say they are not responsible for the outbreak. The president clearly intent on blaming China, saying he's confident the virus started at the Wuhan lab. There has always been this uh, urge, this, this desire on the part of the White House uh, to blame China for this. The Trump administration, for political reasons, it appears, has been pushing uh, that notion that this virus came from the lab. No, I think President Donald Trump probably is blaming anything, anyone, any country that he can think of if that blame could help save his presidential election. Governor, I have about a minute. Thank you. Can you just weigh in? And that's what you're exactly talking about. Mainstream media providing cover for the left and then social social media Bush, following in. Sure. Listen, Eric, this is a classic example of why uh, outlets like Newsmax are needed so that the surface, uh, the truth can be surfaced. Uh, but this, this cover up by the mainstream media uh, that then bled into social media, putting a blackout on this, is exactly why states like Texas, as well as other states, uh, we're trying to take action against these social media platforms that are trying to uh, put a, a quiet blanket over the truth. We need the truth to surface. That means the social media companies uh, cannot limit what people are publishing on their platforms. I'm going to leave it right there. Governor Abbott, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thank you, Eric. All right, Dick Morris says Joe Biden's got his priorities out of order. Dick joins us next. Stick around. Joe Biden's making a huge mistake in prioritizing his infrastructure package. That's what my next guest is saying tonight. Dick Morris is a host of Dick Morris Democracy on Newsmax and former advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. Big numbers, Dick. I saw the uh, Republicans came back and said, how about $928 billion? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's supposed to be a compromise. Uh, you know, in 1992-93, Bill Clinton made a fundamental mistake that I advised against. Instead of stressing welfare reform, he stressed health care reform, and his momentum fell apart and he lost Congress. I think Biden is making the exact same mistake. After he came out of the box with the stimulus program that passed easily because Trump had proposed basically the same thing, 
He then diverted into infrastructure and put out $4 trillion of spending on everything he could think of, calling it infrastructure. And it hit a wall of, Democrat, of Republican opposition and a wall of Democrats not being willing to use reconciliation to bypass the filibuster to pass it. And right now he's out of gas. He's out of momentum. And the country basically doesn't give a damn about infrastructure. You know, vehicle mileage is way down, uh, especially after the pandemic. People aren't driving much. And if he thinks he's going to monopolize the national debate by this, he's wrong. You know, Henry Kissinger once said that a statesman's duty is to bridge the gap between his experience and his vision. If he hews yep. too close to the conventional, he loses control over events. And that's what's happening you know, with Biden now. Dick, His infrastructure package doesn't excite anybody. Dick, you know, I, I, I was there for when President Trump was elected in 2016. In 2017, I was actually called to the White House. and They had put together an infrastructure package. Um, the aides called me and said, what do you think of it? Can you, you, you look it over? And when you see the president, talk to him about it. And I, I looked it over. And then, frankly, I said, I didn't love what it, what it did. I didn't like, I didn't like, I, I didn't think it... Uh, gave President Trump enough political uh, credibility. In other words, another uh, he was he would be able to put right. wings of hospitals up or or put up schools. And I, I felt it could have yeah. it could have done more. I felt, and this is kind of common politics right now that infrastructure happens to be the one that both sides can can wrap their brains around. But does it have yeah. to be a trillion dollar package? Do we really need to spend a trillion dollars? Yeah, and. And people just don't care that much about it. Uh, I know that the bridges are wearing, wearing down and all of that, but it just isn't their top priority. I just did a poll with John McLaughlin, Trump's pollster, and we asked about inflation. Mm -hmm. And we found that 56% of the people believe prices are increasing very rapidly. And by three to one, they blame big spending for the price increases. And Biden is going to be taking inflation on the chin, badly hurting him as he goes into the midterms. And the infrastructure package dangling out there, this massive amount of money, isn't helping him at all. Do you think infrastructure pushes inflation as, as fast and as furiously as these handouts, these COVID handouts and some of the other programs that the Dem Democrats want to push out there? It, it would seem, I mean, it could be wrong, but it would seem like that would be the one that wouldn't wouldn't be the, the high-octane fueled inflation no, but, the way the others are. No, but Eric, he's, he's covering all that infrastructure with construction that has to be a union contract. That's a good point. And, uh, and, and, and that is driving up wages that, that like is a, Davis Bacon. Honestly, Dick, that's the first time I've like heard crazy. someone point that out, that all this, this trillion-dollar spending or whatever ends up being 1.2, whatever mm -hmm. it ends up being, will be a lot of, lot of payoffs to, to, to the various unions around the country. That's Fantastic why he's point. doing it. That's why he's doing it. You know, the, uh, I have an interview coming up on my Saturday show at 7.30 with Donald Trump and uh, number 45. And uh, I'm going to ask him very specifically about some of the topics you're covering in this show, like critical race theory. Mm -hmm. uh, does he think that we should base federal spending on race uh, like the Biden administration is doing? Uh, and uh, I think you're going to get some very interesting re yeah. replies there. Well, congratulations on that interview, Dick. We'll all tune in to watch it. Thank you again. Dick Morris, everybody. Thank you. All right, nothing is safe anymore. Even cold cereal is falling victim to woke culture. I'll explain when we come back. 
We talked about the good old days at the top of the show, but just a few short months ago before Slow Joe took over in the Oval Office, I remember back when breakfast cereal was fun. Check this out. You go to the supermarket, there's a cachet of crunchy goodness right at your fingertips. Anything you want from the smart, healthy choices like bran flakes or plain Cheerios to the shiny boxes and sugary marshmallows in Lucky Charms. But you buy it for the kids, right? And you wind up eating it yourself. A guilty pleasure that makes you feel like you're getting ready for grade school all over again. But check this out. Cold cereal has become the latest victim of the woke, ultra-liberal, virtual signaling culture this week. Check out the latest from Kellogg's. Tony the Tiger, Toucan Sam, the Rice Krispie Elves all joining together to, quote, with pride, you've got Kellogg's spelled in rainbow lettering. A rainbow heart in place of the O in together. And the cereal itself is some kind of heart-shaped rainbow collage of phony togetherness, and that's just the front of the box. Check out what happens when you turn it over on the side where you and your kids can sit around the breakfast table and indulge in your own virtual signaling. Too amazing to put in a box, it says. Boxes are for cereal, not people. You've got your standard gender pronouns, he, him, they, them. And thanks to the creative folks at Kellogg's, you can even come up with some of your own pronouns for your own kids to come up with. You see the blank spaces there for suggestions. This is just nuts, and it's directly targeting our kids, the cartoon characters, the colorful artwork, the sweetness, and it's all a collaboration with GLAD, the organization which is devoted to promoting acceptance for young members of the LGBTQ community. I remember back in 1989 when Air Jordan took flight for the first time to plug Wheaties. Remember that iconic orange box? It became a symbol of American greatness. Every amateur athlete in the world dreamed of being on that box. Of course, members of the LGBTQ community have the same opportunities as everyone else to be great, don't they? But shouldn't it be based on merit? Look, being gay or straight, doesn't make a difference. I get it. It doesn't make you great. But being a role model, a leader, a talent, that makes you great. That earns you a spot on a Wheaties box. Wouldn't it be nice if Kellogg stopped indoctrinating our kids on their sexual orientations and instead just tried to indoctrinate them into being great? A woke wake-up call at the kitchen table brings out the tiger in me. I'm Eric Bowling. Gorka will be in for Greg tomorrow night. Stand by. Stinchfield's next.